tonight. <laughs> so any of those first people that are coming for prayer are going to be surprised. Um, do we have anybody to hand out these? If you guys could pick a couple of people when, at the end. Um, just so you know, these are little nightmares in a little container. Um, <laughs> to open up, there's one little foil on top for the, for the bread, and then the main thing to, to get the wine. So um, just don't be too frustrated when you're trying to open them. Like I was standing up here, felt like I was on display as I'm fighting this thing the last, the last time around. Um, it's funny, uh, the things that go on in your mind when you got to do a message. And I had a dream last night. I had a dream. In this dream, I'm standing up to give my message. And instead of this little microphone, we had these huge ear headphone things over my ears and a big thing on top of the big antenna that stuck up. <laughs> and, uh, and the microphone was like massive. And every time I'd lean down to look at something to read, the whole thing would slide over my face and I'd have to pull it back up again. It was just odd. And I'm trying to find, I can't find what I'm supposed to teach. So I'm flipping through the, the book and I'm, I'm, where's Timothy? Where's Timothy? And I had people beside me and I'm like, give me yours. I can't find Timothy. And, and uh, they're like, no, we're not giving you, you know, you should be able to find it. And I, and I can't find it. And it was just this, I woke up thinking, oh my gosh, this is the direction my message is going in today. Uh, but anyway, all is good. We're here, and we are going to be in 1 Timothy, and we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 2 this morning. Um, as I said the first time around this morning, this is the first time I've ever had to do back-to-back -back teaching, and so it's going to be kind of new for me. Um, hopefully, the Holy Spirit is working second time around just as well. Um, yeah, so 1 Timothy chapter 2, and uh, it's been a while since we've been together where I've been talking about 1 Timothy, um, so I think I should do just a really brief recap in case anybody wasn't here for any of it. Um, if you remember, Paul sent, sent Timothy to this church in Ephesus to restore order. Things were out of, out of whack. There were false doctrines being uh, uh, taught, there was chaos, there were arguments, there's, you know, just all kinds of things going on that shouldn't be. People are arguing, they're butting heads. And Jesus, when that happens, Jesus gets put, pushed aside. And we don't want that. We don't want that. You know what? Good teaching doesn't do that. Good teaching, good solid teaching is always faithful to Jesus. So if you ever walk into a church and they're not being faithful to Jesus in the teaching, it might be a problem. Always centers on Jesus, and good teaching always builds the church up toward love and genuine faith, okay? This church that we're talking about here that Timothy's gone to do some work in is full of egos, it's full of chaos, and this letter is an, is, is an introduction book for Timothy, an instruction book, rather. Um, how to fulfill his mission to restore this church and get order back in. And as you go through this first book of Timothy, you know, he's about picking men and women and leadership within the church, and it, it's quite interesting. And I always think, well, what were they doing before? 
I, I, I'm just curious, but anyway, that's another topic to teach another time. Um, in the first chapter, Paul was um, really teaching Timothy or talking to Timothy about um, these false teachers, um, kind of how to handle them and to not give up because Timothy was, you know, getting to the end of his rope with this uh, nonsense. Um, he encouraged Timothy to fight the good fight. You know what? You need to be there. You need to be doing this. Um, people need it. And let's restore order here. And now in chapter 2, Paul points Timothy and us to the first priority for this restoration. And I'm going to read verses 1 to 8. And that's kind of what the general things we're going to be talking about. So um, I won't be going back kind of verse by verse after that, just so you know. But it says, first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. So Paul's first priority, as I see it, is to get to praying. Get back to your relationship with God. If Timothy wants true lasting results in restoring this church, yes, personally, he needs to be seeking God, and I'm sure he was. He needs God's power. He needs God's guidance. But Paul is also charging Timothy to bring this church together and hold regular church gatherings. Because prayer, whether it's on an individual basis or together as a group, is what will help uh, keep what's important in the forefront, okay? In the forefront of your life, in the forefront of my life. And what's important is our communication with God. If there is anger and quarreling going on, which there was in this Ephesus church, prayer is going to be that, that fire, that catalyst, that coal that's going to start getting, getting people back to making Christ the focal point. And suddenly the things that divide are going to be overcome by the one who unites us. Now, I have to admit here that what Paul says at the start of this chapter is a struggle for me. I don't know if it is for you at times, but I can only talk for myself, uh, especially in these days of increasing darkness. So why is it so difficult? Paul says that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. He's talking to Timothy about this church, but this applies to me, and it applies to you, and it applies to every believer. But especially for me, when I don't apply this to my own prayer life, when I hold back prayers because somebody I have an issue with somebody, it says not much about them, but it certainly says a lot about me in my Christian walk. 
going through this um, this week as I was putting this message together, um, I just found it very convicting for me. I seem to have a bit of an attitude at times. <laughs> um, I have this attitude regarding at times who I want to pray for. But apparently I am not the only one because um, I've been coming across a number of other believers online, uh, brothers and sisters who are struggling and are coming forward and saying, you know what, I need to repent. You know, these, these things are going on in my mind and my heart and I know they're wrong, but they're, they're going on. There's a few of us out there wrestling with deep feelings of anger and, and sometimes even hatred toward people coming up, whether it's in the news or the social media, and those feelings are becoming a battleground. And, and the flesh and the spirit are at war. They certainly are at times in me. And especially in these days that seem to be getting darker and darker. For years, we seem to be subjected to uh, this increasing number of people who have less and less respect for anything and or anyone. No respect for the sanctity of life, for love, truth, or even God. And Paul really describes this to Timothy in his second letter, where he says, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. We've been introduced uh, to people like the Jeffrey Epsteins of the world, if you're up on the news at all, the cancel culture that will take your life and destroy it without a second thought. Politicians who are corrupt, but they don't hide it anymore. They don't care if you see it. And you can feel, I, I think, you can feel the hatred in the air. It's thick. Anything and everything that is holy and right is under attack. And this hatred isn't just for your everyday run-of-the-mill, gosh, you know what? I hate miso soup when I go to a ch Japanese restaurant. Don't give me the miso soup, please. You know what? This is, if I can call it ordinary, this isn't ordinary hate. This is far beyond. This is, I, I can't even describe it. it it's evil. And it's driven, spiritually driven by dark forces. And you know what? I'm not immune to it. I don't think any of us are really immune to it. It's easy to get caught up in it. How do I not hate somebody who's burning the Bible in Portland last night? How do I not hate someone who's got an island full of young people that they're sexually abusing? How do I not hate that? But I do, I hate that sin but I connect that person, I hate that person. And these dark forces seem to be coming to the surface. They're coming into the light. 
it seems like, more and more on a daily basis. It's rather staggering to me uh, just how much there really is. Yet the people who are blindly being drawn into that darkness aren't to be exempt, exempt from our prayers. On the contrary, they're to be prayed for even harder. We need to be holding those people up. We're to be praying for the souls of the lost. No matter how evil they seem to be, because Isaiah 53, 6 says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Which means we need to remind ourselves of, I need to remind myself where I came from, where I used to be. And that we have salvation only by God's grace. We aren't better, but we're better off. We have to remind ourselves every day that eternity is a very, very, very long time. And that everyone deserves the chance to repent and be saved. Verse 3 and 4 here uh, said we are, that we're reminded that God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What a great God. So pray for all people. And you know what? Become a messenger for the good news of the salvation found in Christ. Become that messenger to all people. Do it while we still have the opportunity. Because one day, you know what? Probably sooner than we think. Time's going to run out. Opportunity's going to be gone. For me, I also need a reminder that it's not up to me to decide who salvation is for. I've got to tell you, if it was, it's God's job. But you know what? As dark as things are looking nowadays, there's a light. Christ is shining in the darkness, people. Hallelujah. Because if he wasn't, I'd be really discouraged. Acts 2.17, I think, is really coming to life. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. That's happening today. And it's happening all over the world. You know, a pastor friend of mine, who's my pastor, um, from my growing up pastor in the faith, uh, uh, who's back in London, Ontario now, um, he was Matt's pastor as well for a number of years, doing outside ministry. And two young ladies came up, two Iranian ladies, started talking about dreams they'd been having. And it was dreams of Jesus. That's powerful stuff. And it's happening in places like Iran, where since March, because of this, this COVID that's been going around, they increased the internet. So people had more access. And because there's some dissatisfaction with their religion, they're finding that up to 3,000 Muslims have been coming to Christ every month. God is working. And he wants everyone to come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
And it doesn't include the tens of thousands who have already found Jesus there in the last few few years. It's happening in the Middle East. And I'm sure some or most of you have heard uh, on the news what's happening in Huntington Beach, Orange County. I'd like to believe it's real. And it's spreading to other beaches in California. Hundreds, if not thousands of people are apparently hearing the gospel message and they're coming forward and to accept Jesus, they're getting baptized and kids are coming forward and they're getting baptized and they're accepting Jesus, God is working in the darkness. And there's people that are comparing it to the Jesus movement of the 60s and 70s. And I, I think, and this is my opinion, but I think we're in a time of declaration because we're seeing it happen. People are declaring. Right on TV, people are declaring. I'm watching newscasters declaring, we don't need him to fix any of this. We don't need him. Others are declaring Christ, boom, right out in the open. We have, I just watched, I didn't watch the basketball game. I won't watch basketball, but, um, you know, everyone's on their knees. Black Lives Matter. To me, that's, they're worshiping a false god right there, but that's my opinion. Here stands one, one man standing alone for Jesus Christ. Amen. One man. That's what we need today. Standing for Jesus. I think the sheep are being separated from goats right now. God is giving people a chance. Declare your side because I'm coming and I'm calling you home. But before that happens, we need to pray and we need to keep praying for all people. Make supplications. Ask God to intervene in the lives of the lost, no matter how evil they seem to be, because eternity is a very long time. Make intercessions for everybody. Try to stand up personally for them before God. Take them before God in prayer that he may change their hearts before time runs out. can't tell you how many times I've taken people I know who, whether they're not believers or they might be on the borderline, and I, in my mind I just try to vision taking them before God and saying and presenting them to God and say, God, do a work. Do a work. And then he goes on to say here to Timothy, and give thanks for all people. What the heck? Are you serious? Because I'm telling you right now, there's people I don't want to give thanks for. But that's my problem. (laughs) Because we are told to do it, we need to do it. And you know what? Giving thanks is about building a heart of gratitude. Because gratitude dispel the hate and allows the love to enter in. We used to tell our daughter when she was having trouble with someone in her life, whether it was at school or in her job, find one thing. Find one thing you like about them. Find one thing that's a blessing about them. Then wait and see if that one thing maybe becomes two things. Maybe that two, those two things become three things. Giving thanks for all people is about 
putting our trust in God, that he's using even someone we find no redeeming qualities in for his glory. This call of Paul's to pray for all people reminded me of, what was it? I think about a year ago um, when President Trump uh, showed up at a church and they came in and said, look, Trump's outside. He wants to come in. He wants you to pray for him. Ask the pastor. And the pastor's like, all right, bring him in. In he comes. Prayed, prayed for the pastor or prayed for Trump. And then off he goes. Well, there were people in that congregation that were not happy about that. But you know what? What that pastor did was right. And what he did was biblical. And as for those dis who, that disagreed with him, they needed to search their hearts and they needed to seek forgiveness. And believe me, that's not easy for me to say because when it comes to certain people, I can be just as guilty. That person hurt me for years. That person was so mean to me and you're going to pray for them? Every day, I have to go back to Jesus and get restarted again, get back to the right track. So when I started preparing for this message and this subject, I'm like, oh, this is such a kick in my pants to pray rightly for all people. You know, my prayer life, our prayer life, says a lot about our relationship with Jesus. Jesus' prayer life said a lot about his relationship with the Father. So much so that only, the only recorded lesson the disciples ever asked for was, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, we can get a lot of ministers and whatnot nowadays that they're all about, well, we're going to do the healing and we're going to do the um, multiplying bread. I don't know. But you know what? They didn't ask to be taught any of that. I don't need to be taught how to preach or teach or multiply bread. I don't need to be taught how to heal. Lord, just teach me how to pray. You think they witnessed something in prayer that rocked their world when they were walking with Jesus? By praying for our leaders and those in power, by praying for the lost, the corrupt, we are following God's will for our lives. At the same time, asking him to do a work in their lives. And it's kind of a win-win situation. And as Christians, what we are hoping for, as Paul writes here, is to live peaceful and quiet lives, godly and dignified in every way, which in turn allows us to go about God's work without unnecessary distractions. Because you might have noticed that right now there's a lot of distractions going on out there. And who loves a good distraction more than the enemy? It's all about distraction. Look over here. Look over here. Don't look at Jesus. Look over here. Look at what they're doing. How, how much do you hate that? What we are, are I was going to say, we are living in times that are not very peaceful. They're not very quiet seldom godly and certainly not dignified in a lot of places. And I think what we're witnessing is, witnessing is a taste, just a little taste 
of what the world is going to be like without prayer. And just imagine when the Spirit of Christ is withdrawn, if this is just a taste, I, I can't fathom what it's going to look like. If you don't have your heart right, if we don't have that worked out with Jesus, man, oh man, I wouldn't, I, I have family members that I think are going to be left behind. It's going to be bad, but we're here and we need to rise above the distractions, the chaos, and we need to carry on with the work and pray, pray for all people, pray for the salvation of those lost sheep. You know, a long, long, long time ago, I used to work in the bar industry. And we would have at the end of the night, it's called last call. And it was your last choice of the night. The last order you could have for the evening. And after that, no more orders are taken. And in a matter of minutes, you're outside and gnashing your teeth in the cold and the dark and the doors are locked behind you. And I think we're in those times now in a spiritual sense. It's last call. Last call. We get to choose the water of the world or the water of life. Remember Jesus said to the woman at the well, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I've known for a long time that I need that living water, that I need Jesus in my life. And the darker the world gets, honestly, the clearer that gets to me. When times are great, you kind of... Oh, drift off. But when things get dark, it's like, oh my goodness. It's so much clear to me every day how much I need Jesus. I need him to work in my heart more and more every day because I see how spiteful and angry I can get. I need his love every day to guide my attitude because, believe it or not, my attitude can suck sometimes. I can be anything but love and good deeds motivated toward others. I need Jesus to help me to see those people who are neck deep in darkness the way he sees them. Matthew 9.36 says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In the original language, it implies that they were torn apart and thrown to the ground. These words tell us that Jesus saw people as victims. Not as people who were wrong and evil. He saw them as people trapped in bondage because of the enemy. Jesus has that ability to look out over the crowd of people in all their evil and have compassion. He sees not only physical needs, he sees the depth of sin in their lives. He knows their spiritual blindness and the extent of every unbeliever's lostness. And you know what? He's deeply grieved. I should be deeply grieved. We all should be deeply grieved 
Paul writes here that God desires all people. There's those two words again, all people, to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. If God desires that, we should desire it as well. And if we desire what God desires, we're going to put our feelings aside. We're going to put our emotions aside. We live in a society where it's all about your feelings and your emotions. Okay, we have feelings and emotions, but we can't be driven by them. Give people a chance to make their own choice about accepting the gospel message, plain and simple, and be saved or reject it and be condemned. Bob, your uncle. Paul's helping Timothy here get a good start on straightening out this church through prayer and a solid gospel message. And he goes on to say, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. In other words, don't complicate or distort the message and don't let anybody else do it. Keep your church on track. Pray for all, and above all else, pray for all to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what? With Jesus, you know, we get wrapped up in there's the wickedness and wicked people and horrible people and tyrants and haters. And, but you know what? With Jesus, all the other stuff gets taken care of in due time. The wicked, oh, repents. The spiritually blind sees. The tyrant becomes a righteous ruler. The hater finds love in his heart. The violent, shameless, arrogant becomes the meek. In other words, the fruit of the Spirit begins to take over. As God's ambassadors, we have to do our best to set our sights higher every day. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. And seek first God and his righteousness. When we do that, we will have a heart to pray and minister to all people. And he goes on to say, and these things will be added to you. Well, these things, what things are going to be added to me? Well, promises of a heavenly treasure, rest in divine provision, fulfillment of God's highest purpose for us, fellowship with him, being part of his kingdom. Do I have the right to deny someone because of my feelings any hope in gaining that kingdom because I don't want to pray for them or minister them? No, I don't have that right. Much as I'd like to have that right sometimes, I don't have that right. So for me, especially now during these rather difficult times, um, I really came to stand very strongly on Paul's words in Philippians uh, 1, 20 and 21 because um, I thought it really put life in perspective. And Paul writes, as is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, or to me to live as Christ and to die as gain. So how does that help me? It means that I should gladly give this life, my life, for the salvation of somebody else. There's no virus, virus that should stop me. 
no anarchist that should silence me, no government that should intimidate me. Jesus stood against a world desperate to silence him any way they could, and he still does through you and me. We're the battle line. And part of that battle is to pray and intercede for all people. In 2 Timothy, Paul writes, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, I know he's writing this to Timothy, but it's for all of us. Like Timothy, we're to teach Christ. We're to hold up the word of God against the lives of people and let God do his work. And as we look at the state of the world right now, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. I'm sure there were a lot of believers that were overwhelmed by all that took place months ago and is still going on. It's easy to feel at times that God's losing ground. And I could easily just stick my head in the sand and say, I'm done till Jesus comes. But God isn't finished. And if he's not finished, I'm not finished. There are times we might feel done, but God isn't done. And that's a really good thing. As much as I might ache to be in heaven and just, you know what, I'm done, God. And there's times I think exactly that. I'm so done with this world. I'm so done with watching the evil. I'm so, so over it all. And then I watch thousands of people apparently coming to Christ. And I'm like, oh, how selfish am I? Each day that God isn't done is another day for someone to come to the living water, to Jesus. And thank God it's not my call. Because <laughs> I'd have said, okay, let's just go today. And as I wrap up this morning, I just wanted to share a devotional with you. Uh, it's from another pastor, Jack Hibbs. I thought he did a great job with it. And why well, try to invent the wheel? And what Jack wrote, he said, have you ever embarked upon a good thing with high hopes of a reward in the end? If so, did you become discouraged that the reward still seemed to be far off after much labor and toil? The Lord has promised believers heaven at the end of this life's journey, yet I must admit at times it seems that heaven is just not coming fast enough for me. As I look around this world and see more and more of its tendency towards violence and evil, I realize that I don't belong here anymore. My heart longs for heaven and I live my life with that goal in mind. Perhaps today you find yourself as I do, waiting for Jesus' return and the joy of seeing him face to face. Maybe you also desire to enter our heavenly home, a place filled with God's absolute love and total acceptance. Until that day comes, we are here to learn more of him and tell others about our Savior and the heavenly home he is preparing for those who trust in him. 
Let us eagerly share his love and truth as we expectantly await his return. So my encouragement today is for all of us to take the time to pray for all people, that the Lord would touch their hearts, that they would repent and turn back. I encourage us all to take inventory periodically of our own hearts. For me, it's, it should be daily. Um, that we would humble ourselves before our God and turn from our own selfish ways and ideas and serve his kingdom. And finally, that we would see people as Jesus sees them. Lost, confused, hopeless, helpless, sheep without a shepherd, and blinded by the enemy.